All right, Romans chapter 12 tonight. What's that? Pete loves Romans chapter 12. Well, Pete, attaboy, Pete. This is for you tonight. This is for all of us tonight. But in Romans chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 16 tonight. This will be the main verse that we look at. Now, as we've been looking at some of these one another's, uh, again, this teaches us how to be the church to one another and with one another. And so uh, a lot of these go together. And we looked at being members one of another. Um, that was the first week. And then PJ taught, uh, I guess, last week maybe. I can't even keep up. Week before last when I was out, one of the hospital visits there. But um, about being devoted one to another. And this one really goes with those. And I think we'll see that connection as we end tonight. But this is, this is true Christianity. This is true biblical living. When we begin to one another properly, this is where uh, the light really begins to shine and the good really begins to be done for those of us who are in Christ. So let's look at Romans 12, 16. It says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Romans 12, 16. We're going to look at a few other passages tonight, but that's our main text for tonight. And there's three key things I want us to see in that text tonight. And again, there'll be some other um, text we'll refer to, but this is the main thrust tonight. And hopefully you grabbed a handout. I saw someone passing those out tonight. All three of the headings are on there. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is how we can be of the same mind toward one another. And so uh, be in the same mind. That's really what we're talking about here. Number one is preserving harmony in the church, preserving harmony in the church. And this is not a uh, tertiary issue. This is not a secondary issue. This is very important to the health of the church and the body. And we should strive to do everything that we can, right? Everything that we can to be at one with one another. We're going to see that here in a moment. But he says, be of the same mind toward one another. But again, that's another way of saying live in harmony with one another. Now, we're not talking about e-harmony, okay, or any other dating site like that. That's crazy. Uh, farmers only and all those things. The commercials just crack me up, right? We're not talking about any of that, but we're talking about being harmonious with one another. It's just another way of saying um, being of the same mind. And so uh, that's what we're seeking to do. And we know that we don't always see eye to eye with other believers, but nothing is going to be accomplished for the Lord through disunity. And so that's why this is so vitally important for us. And, and I know that on some level, we all understand it. Some greater than others, obviously, right? But we all, I think, have a sense of this. But having a sense of it and then us really working at it are two different things. And this is for kiddos. This is for old O's like me, right? This is for all of us. We're all the church together. And so we need to learn how to preserve the harmony. And so as he writes, be of the same mind, he's writing in an imperative fashion here, which would mean this is commanded of us. So as Christians, we're commanded to preserve the harmony in the church, the unity of the spirit, being of the same mind together. And again, that doesn't mean we agree on every detail of every theological issue, but we are harmonious with one another. Amen? That's how we are to live. And so um, if we do not have the same mind toward one another in the church, what attraction will there be for those who are outside of the church? You see, being a loving church, being a church that gets along um, is one of those things that points to the reality that Christ is real. And he's done something in our lives. And not just for us in the church, but that sends a message to people outside of the church. And we see that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Colossians 4, verse 5, if you're following along. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And so how we conduct ourselves is important. And it tells a story to people who don't know Jesus. And so if we can't get along amongst ourselves, what appeal is there for people to go, hmm, I'm already having trouble with my spouse or with my boss or with my friends. Why well, would I want to go to church and have trouble with other people too, right? And so we're to be conducting ourselves in this manner with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most out of every opportunity. The context, however, is harmony. Look at 1 Timothy 3.7. 1 Timothy 3.7. Now, this is in context of a leader in the church, all right? So, uh, specific talking about like the elders in the church, but this is applicable for all of us who are Christians. Uh, he says in verse 7, 
He, now this is talking about the elder, he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. But the principle there is good for all of us. We all need to live in this manner to have a good reputation. If our boss thinks we're um, a jerk, for instance, right? If you lie and you cuss and you cheat at work, uh, you are not telling a good story for Jesus in the church, right? Um, If you're at school and you're stealing and cheating on tests, you are not presenting a good light for Jesus in your school, right, kiddos? But we homeschool. That counts too, okay? That counts too. So even if you're at homeschool, you're definitely not sending a good message to mom and pop. And most likely mom, who's the teacher and the principal and the administrator and all those other things, right? So uh, we need to be careful how we live. Harmony in the body of Christ is as important as harmony in the human body. Now, when there's disharmony in our bodies, and we know this very, very um, pointedly, for so many of us in our church body who have been suffering with things, like Miss Brandy right now, uh, still struggling with the cancer and the treatment of the cancer, the medication. She's uh, back at the doctor today for making a little bit of adjustment, trying to get things leveled out for her. Um, but we know when your body is not in harmony with itself, when systems fail, when there's disease in the blood or cancer in the body, whatever it might be, tumors or you know, whatever those things are, we know that the body is not working properly. And when that happens in the body, again, I just said it, I guess, but we call that cancer in most cases. It's a foreign thing that's attacking healthy cells. Well, disunity in the body, disharmony in the church is like a cancer to the body. It doesn't just affect those two or three or four cells maybe that are initially involved, but it spreads to the rest of the body. And that's awful. And that's sinful, folks. That's sinful. That's why there's so many passages that talk to us about how we can be uh, harmonious with one another in Christ. And so we don't want to, to be disharmonious. We want to preserve the unity of the Spirit, being of the same mind toward one another. Now notice it doesn't say be of the same mind in everything about every topic. It says be of the same mind toward one another. That's different. So again, there's room for some theological differences here. Now, if anyone says that there's more than one way to heaven, that's a bigger issue, right? Um, And there are some other doctrines that kind of bleed into that or feed off of that. Those are important things. But just because we don't all agree on every little nuance of Scripture does not mean that we cannot still be of the same mind toward one another. Amen? We can still preserve the unity and the bond of peace toward one another. Uh, And so um, that's important for us to remember. Here's the second point. Don't be huge-headed. Normally we say big-headed, but I was getting my MRI and I was noticing that I was in the big MRI tube and it still seemed kind of small. It just seemed like the the walls were just so close. And that's a little uh, unnerving in there, right? Uh, I'm not a big fan of enclosed spaces. I know some of you work in those spaces and you're fine, but... I'm not one of those people, all right? But I'm just noticing, like, man, if my head wasn't so big, uh, this wouldn't seem so small in here, right? But, but then the, like, oh, he's got a huge melon. My mind just started racing to other things. So I thought, ah, oh, instead of saying big-headed for point two, we'll say huge-headed. So that's kind of how that whole train of thought went. You didn't need to know all that probably, but it paints a picture, does it not? And, and that's, that's what we see here in verse 16. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. And so literally, don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. Don't be huge-headed, okay? And so, you know, we say stuff like when, you, when you're, you're telling someone they did good, you're bragging on somebody, and like, oh, be careful. He's not going to be able to get his head through the door, right? You ever said that to somebody or been a part of those kind of conversations? That's the idea. Uh, so we don't want to be huge-headed. Now, one of the key ways, that is one of the key ways to preserve harmony in the church is to check our... Um, spiritual hat size, so to speak. Check your spiritual hat size. And so uh, I've got a big head. And so hats, I pull them out. Uh, big head for this little body. But uh, when it comes to our pride and our haughtiness, we should wear a small hat spiritually. Amen? A small hat spiritually. All of us should be that way. And so we need to check ourselves. We need to check ourselves often. It's real easy for us to check others. But we need to check us first and foremost. Right? Right? Amen. That's right. That's right. So Paul was afraid that this big-headedness issue, this huge-headedness was true in the Roman church when he writes Romans 12. And so he mentions several times these ideas throughout the book of Romans. 
Now, obviously, Romans, heavy doctrine, heavy theology. But there is very heavy things practically about how we can live out. And this is one of those sections. In fact, at chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, which are Pete's favorite verses. Y'all just told me, right? That a boy, Pete. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore... So the therefore is there for a reason. In light of all the doctrine about sin and salvation and how we're justified before God, how he sanctifies us and, and glorifies us, how we're to live for God, that's what happens in chapter 12 on. And so there are some very hard yet practical things about how to live this Christian life. Like in Romans 12 verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. How can we love unhypocritically? We can love fairly. We can love equally in that regard, right? But we're not to be hypocritical in our love. We don't just love, as Jesus said, the ones who are wealthy and can do something for us. But we love those who have nothing to offer us as well, right? And so we don't want to be hypocritical in our love. He says in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. And so holding others up, as more important than ourselves. That's another one another there, right? Being devoted and then giving preference to one another, honoring others above ourselves. Philippians chapter two is a good chapter to, to look at that and look at a little more detail about that um, where Paul says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? And it talks about how he gave himself for us. Uh, Romans chapter two, beautiful, beautiful passage. And so we see we're to rejoice in hope persevere in tribulation, be devoted to prayer, contribute to the need of other saints, the brothers and sisters in Christ, practice hospitality, blessing those who persecute us, bless and do not curse. I like that he repeats that. Apparently we need to hear it in two ways, right? When people persecute us, our gut is to do what? Right? And that's my gut oftentimes, but that's, that's my flesh. We're to bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse, he tells us very plainly. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And then, in a very practical manner, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Now, let's look at a few other passages. Turn to Matthew 23, verse 12. Matthew 23, verse 12. Matthew, first book of the New Testament. So if you're in Romans, just go back a few, uh, I don't know, 100 pages maybe? 800 pages, I should Jesus says, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And then he calls out one of the woes against the Pharisees as being hypocritical. In fact, there's several of these calls to those religious people who thought they were more than they actually were. And so we need to be very careful not to be haughty in our own eyes. And so we see that, Matthew 23, verse 12. Look at James 4, 6. James 4, 6. We see one of the same um, ideas here given to us from James. The Scripture says, He... God gives greater grace, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, let me ask you a, a little pop quiz here. If God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, what do we want to be? We want to be humble. That's right. We want to be humble. God is opposed to the proud. Um, who is the number one prideful being that was opposed to God? Bill Clinton? What? No, 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 no. Just kidding. <laughs> Who was it? Lucifer, Satan, right? And he's, he, 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 he's still fighting a battle that he cannot win. He's been defeated. Jesus has won already. Although the battles still continue, and people think that's odd. And there's some bad interpretations of the fact that Christ defeated Satan on the cross, and yet the battle still rages on. There's some bad theologies that have spun from that. But you think about most wars. Think about the Revolutionary War, our War of Independence. It's July 5th, right? We just had Independence Day uh, yesterday, I think, right? July 4th. Uh, so we just had that yesterday. You think about when the war ended versus when all the skirmishes actually stopped. They didn't stop when the war was pronounced won. It didn't work that way. It took months and months and months for that news to travel and for the battles to finally end. And that's what the spiritual war is like. It's still going on even though Satan's defeated. He's still strong. He's still powerful, right? We can't bind him. He hadn't been bound. He won't be bound until the millennial kingdom of Christ. So we're not going to bind him. We're not going to hold him and tie him up. 
So we might as well stop trying those bad new apostolic kind of beliefs, right? Stop saying, I bind thee from, you know, whatever. It doesn't work that way. He's still real and he's still a ravaging beast. But God's opposed to the proud. And so since he is prideful and he has actually lost already and he will finally lose in time one day, we need to make sure we're on the winning side. Amen? And so we need to be humble. And, and pride is something that sneaks up on us as Christians a lot of times. We think, well, I don't go around bragging about things. And that's great. Amen? But our pride sneaks out in other ways where we don't take blame or responsibility for our faults. That's pride. That's arrogance. Amen? We have to be careful, Christians, that we take full blame where blame is due. Even if we are not sure we're the culprit, we should still be of the right mindset like Christ and be humble enough to say, my bad. What can I do to make this right? Amen? That goes for all of us. We should always take that extra step to preserve the harmony of the church and not to be huge-headed. Just love, love saying that. That's fun. All right, look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. James, here we go. 1 Peter 5. Do you ever find yourself having to count through the names of the books of the Bible so you can remember which way to turn? That's what I just did. All right. So 1 Peter, it's right there after James. Chapter 5, look at verse 6. Now this is a therefore, so let's back up just for, for, for fun. Let me go back to verse 1. Oh, wait, that's another therefore. Can't start there. Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah, I am. Let's start there. Let's just start and run into that one. Okay, so therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow, as your fellow elders uh, and as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntary, uh, voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Now, that's a good thing for ministers to, to live by. And he says, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive an unfading, the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all you uh, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then he goes on with some other very pointed things for us to do to live out our faith. So, humility. And pride, this is a struggle that all Christians battle with on various levels. But again, it's not just about us, you know, declaring how great we are. It's oftentimes, and usually in the church, more oftentimes than not, it's other ways that our pride comes out and hurts the church. Again, when we don't take responsibility for our problems or or. That's enough of that. So, uh, so we want to not be huge-headed, and we want to do everything we can to preserve the harmony and the unity in the church. Now, still, surprisingly, many in the church prefer to be, and I don't think this is a problem here. I really don't. But in so many churches, people want to be coddled, right? They want to be attaboyed and patted on the back all the time. And I mean, that's, that's not, not a bad thing for leaders and others to do, to encourage one another, because we are to encourage one another. We'll look at that again here in a few weeks. But, but so many people want to be praised. They want to be um, immortalized in certain ways. I mean, think about, maybe this is dangerous to say, but you think about how in some of our faith traditions, when, when some members give to their bodies. They want plaques made for the backs of the chairs. They want plaques made for the, the, the hymnals. You ever been in churches where that's done? They want buildings named after them. They're being immortalized. And it may not be always of ill intent. I'm not, I, I'm not the judge of that. But the appearance and the danger is absolutely there. And we have to be very careful of those kind of things. And so that's what I mean when, when, I, when I mentioned wanting to be immortalized. But, but it seems that, that many people won't do something that needs to be done without being begged almost to do it. And built up in order to feel like they're worthy to do what's supposed to be done. Folks, that's a horrible attitude. And it's such an easy thing for us to fall prey to. All of us fall prey to that in the church. We are to be like Christ, amen, who served the ultimate way. He gave his life. 
He gave his life. He laid down his life for us, sinners. We didn't deserve it. We absolutely didn't deserve it. And he did it. And he didn't wait for the Father to coddle him. He didn't wait for the Father to, to make a placard. <laughs> you know, I mean, just think about how ludicrous it sounds, some of the things that we've been guilty of doing. And when we think about it in light of what Christ did for us, we're undeserving of his love and grace that he's placed upon us. And yet he poured out his life for us. Amen? The least we could do is serve others humbly and with, humi- well, with humility. That's the same thing, with humility. So um, if, um, if our ego needs to be fed by our service, then our ego is all the reward we will have in this life or the next. And Jesus made that real clear in Matthew 6, 2, if you want to jot that down. Matthew 6, 2. Some of you aren't writing it down and y'all need to. You may call you by name. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We all need to remember these things. We need to remember this. If we serve for the spotlight, we have our reward. That spotlight is our reward. That's it. That's it. So if you're, I'm going to say it again. If your ego needs to be fed by the service or by those you're serving, then you've got your reward. And can I just add to that? Um, your ego's a problem. <laughs> Our ego's a problem in that situation. Amen? The church is no place for that. The church is no place for that. So uh, think about Diotrephes. You remember Diotrephes in 3 John 1, 9? He loves to be first among them. That was John's charge of him. Don't be like Diotrephes, who, who has to be first in everything. We don't, we, don't, we, we don't aim for that as Christians, do we? First will be last. The last will be first. Well, I want to be first, so I will be last. And we use all kinds of wordplay to try to make it sound better. But at the bottom line, oftentimes it's just rooted in pride. And we need to be humble. We need to be humble. That's why I love this next part of verse 16. Verse 16. Let me get back there. Sorry. I love this next part where he says, but associate with the lowly. So be of the same mind towards one another. Don't be haughty in your own mind, but associate with the lowly. Associating with the lowly. That's what we need to be about. Now, think about this. Basically, what, what he's saying is, is befriend the, um, the unlikely, the un, unlove, un, unlovely. Associate with the lowly, those of low repute. So, I mean, you, you know what, it, what it's like to, to, to rub shoulders with people. Have you ever been guilty of doing that? You know, you're at a conference and your favorite pastor's there and you make your way up. Anybody ever done that besides me? Am I the only one who's done this? Hey, Corey, uh, okay, Heather, uh, Eric, come on, I know you have too, buddy. Tyler, whoever. No, Tyler's like, no, how dare you, how dare you. But we've probably all been guilty of those things in certain ways, right? Or maybe it was... Uh, here, I'll tell you a bad story. Not a bad story, but a funny story, humiliating story on me. Um, early on in my youth ministry days, and this was long ago. This was back when Greg Pickering, I don't know if y'all remember Greg Pickering, but he, he's your cousin. Well, cool. Greg Pickering was the youth minister at First Baptist Orange. And I was new uh, in youth ministry, and so he was you know, kind of mentor-like. And uh, uh, so hello, Greg, if you ever happen to see this. Um, but we went with some other ministers in there, like Andy Nearmore. Some of y'all know Andy Nearmore from Vider. He's retired. He was the leader of East Texas Baptist Encampment. Uh, his kids, grandkids go to CAFA, so hello, Andy Nearmore. But several of us all went out to Atlanta for the Through the Roof True Love Waits rally, and there was also a youth minister's convention associated with it. Now, that Through the Roof, I don't know if you remember, but it was at the Georgia Dome. Is that what it's called? The Georgia Dome? Some of you sports people, Georgia Dome. And so all the pledge cards were going to be signed, and we all brought our cards. They were mailed in or brought. And then they were going to stack them on this cable, like punch a hole in them and stack them on this cable that would go all the way to the top of the Georgia Dome. It was awesome. There was that many, that many cards. It actually did it. But during that thing, there was a whole lot of, you know, um, uh, 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 personalities. What's the word? Uh, famous musicians and speakers and all. And uh, uh, I don't know if y'all remember Jeff Moore in the Distance. You remember Jeff Moore in the Distance? They were huge back then. This was a long time ago, so I'm dating myself. Uh, but he was there, and uh, uh, DC Talk was there. That's when they were all still Christians, you know. Uh, uh, that was kind of a joke, because one of them is not a Christian anymore. Kevin Max, is that his name, Kevin Max? He's like post-Christian now. Um, uh, he's agnostic, atheist. I forgot what he labels himself. But again, um, but they were still, you know, supposedly Christian back then. And uh, there's a whole lot of people anyway. So this was back when you did not have cell phones and you certainly didn't have little small cameras. Why are you shaking your head? You know this story? Okay. So this was in the day of the ginormous video camera. Anybody remember those things? 
I mean, they weighed like 4,000 pounds and you had to have like a collarbone surgery after, you know, using it for an extended period of time. It was that bad. So Jeff, Jeff Moore, Greg Pickering had this massive video camera. And so uh, he said, come on, we're going we're gonna to go uh, do an interview of, of some of these folks. And I'm like, we don't have backstage passes. Oh, just act like you own the place. It's, it's no big deal. You know, if, you act like you, if you act like you belong there, then no one will question you. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just following along. He's older and much wiser. So we go backstage and we're going through all these doors that say do not enter. I'm not advising this, young, young ones. This is not a good thing to do, all right? So you hear me, girls? You got me? All right, all right. So I'm not, not encouraging you to do this, but... I did this, and so wrongly. Uh, I've, I've repented since then, but it, it makes for a good story. So we're going through all these tunnels, and all of a sudden, uh, someone came up to Greg and, and said, uh, where, where's your, you know, who are you, who are you here with, you know, what are you doing, where's your past, you know, all these questions, and I'm like just sweating bullets, like, Lord busted. And so uh, uh, he's like, oh, you know, we're just here to, uh, we're doing an interview with, uh, and he's just trying to think of a name, we're doing an interview with Jeff Moore, and, and, uh, and the, the guy was not buying it at all, and so there's some more words, he's just trying to, uh, he lied, I mean, I have to, Greg, I'm sorry, you lied, and uh, uh, I never really thought about that before this point. Uh, but anyway, so, so long story short, he says, you just need to turn around and, and go out. So we turned around and started out, and I don't know if the guy hadn't seen me or not. I mean, I, I was much smaller back then even, uh, much narrower, but Greg was the one communicating to, to, to this guy. And so when, when he did like this with a video camera, he handed it to me, and he turned around in such a way that um, I don't know that the guy ever saw me. So he starts walking, like pushing me in front of him. I'm giving you the long version of this story, obviously, and I don't remember the point anymore, but maybe I'll get back to it. But, but so, so we began walking, and all of a sudden he says, go, go, go. And so I just took off running with this video camera. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, why, why am I running? And he's running like interference, and I come around this corner, and I mean, boom, I was like just headbutted the stomach of this really large sweaty man and it wasn't great but when i backed up and like you know did one of those i i i kind of things i looked and it was jeff moore of jeff moore in the distance i like literally ran into his sweaty chest and stomach and so i'm like oh trying to get the camera uh hello mr jeff moore you know uh how are you we never got him on camera that that i can recall um now now the, the point of that was we were like fanboys. That was the whole thing. You did not need to know that long story. I am so sorry. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but the point of that was we were fanboys. Uh, that same trip, uh, I was a big Rich Mullen fan. He was a great writer. His lyrics were just great and, um, back then. And so um, uh, he was not at the conference. He was not, Craig, he was not one of the famous people, celebrities that were there. He's not a musician, not a speaker. But we were at Denny's late after one of those nights of the conference. And, and I won't tell you all the details of this one. I think some of y'all have heard this, this story. But, but long story short, uh, we're sitting at this table. Our friend Sean uh, Sibbles, who's now at uh, First Baptist uh, Wimberley, I think now. So hello, Sean Sibbles. Uh, we still communicate with one another. Good guy. Um, he, he, uh, he started busting the tables because it needed to be done. And they, one of the workers quit because there was like... I mean, there was probably 30, 40 people standing waiting to be seated still. So this was just a crazy night. And he's busting tables and making the rest of us Christians look bad, you know. And uh, we look up. There's Charlie Waters, number 41 from the Dallas Cowboys back in the day. Y'all remember him? Charlie Waters was there sitting like right across the glass from us. This was before COVID. And Denny's in Atlanta still had the glass between the, the things. But uh, Charlie Waters was there. So we're going, hey, you know, we're being, you know. <laughs> Dumb fan people. Um, but I looked over and I'm watching the front door because by this time, I will tell you this detail. Sean Sibbles, our youth minister friend that was with us who started busting tables, the manager asked him to work the register because that's who left. That's who quit because they were just overwhelmed. The young lady was just overwhelmed. Remember, remember this, Megan? So Sean Sibbles is up there working the cash register at Denny's. He was not an employee. He just, I mean, that's the kind of servant he was. So funny. Uh, and that's good. I mean, that's a good lesson for us. But, but I'm looking up there watching Sean just thinking, that's crazy. You know, he's working the cash register at Denny's in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's like midnight. I mean, it's crazy. But as I'm looking up there, I saw Rich Mullins. And I told Greg and the other guys, like, that's Rich Mullins. 
they're like looking through their program. Rich Mullins is supposed to be here. That's not him. And I'm like, that is Rich Mullins. Like, no, that's not Rich Mullins. And I said, I think that guy with him is Beaker. That was his best buddy who wrote with him and played guitar. And uh, he wrote, a, he's in one of the songs. Maybe we'll uh, get on Beaker's bike. It's uh, one of the songs. Anyway, never mind. But I'm looking and that's Rich Mullins and Beaker. And no one at the table believed me. So I said, okay, let's watch this. So I started walking up there. And as I get close to him, he made eye contact. Judy, he made eye contact with me. And I did what any normal man would do. I got red in the face and walked right past him into the bathroom. I couldn't even speak to him. And it was just crazy. Like fanboy in here, right over Rich Mullins. And so I go into the bathroom. I turn around and like, get your snap. I'm talking to myself, right? Like, you're, you're important. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You can talk to this man. He's a human too. And I walked right back out of the restroom and he was looking right at me still. He followed, like he's a gay, he's following me in and he's following me back out. And I stuck my hand out and I said, you're Rich Mullins. And he went, and you're Kevin Inman. And I went <gasps> like this. And I realized I had my name tag on still from the conference. So, you know, he, he didn't know who I was. But anyway, it's a great story. That's my famous fanboy kind of story there. But it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. But folks, we, we need to realize that we're not celebrities in God's kingdom. We're not. Steve Lawson is not a celebrity in God's kingdom. Tommy Nelson, the, yeah, not a celebrity in God's kingdom. None of us are celebrities. Jesus is the celebrity in his kingdom. Amen? And we need to remember that. We need to be very careful. And the whole celebrity status that, that gets thrust upon some of these ministers sometimes is dangerous. Well, it's not sometimes. It's always dangerous. It's sometimes deadly for them. And there's countless ministers who have fallen to the temptation that comes with pride. And, um, uh, and, and sexual temptations come along with that same arena. We have to be very careful. But we need to be careful about looking at people as celebrities. We don't want to be fanboys. That's lame, right? Right, Zach? We don't want to be like that. But we need to be humble and lowly in mind and spirit. And that was a whole long... Do I still have time tonight? Whole long... What time is it? Yeah, we got plenty of time. You want another story? Maybe later. Okay, maybe later. Let's get back to what's important here. So Luke chapter 14, verse 11. Jesus says something else here, and it's, it's very direct. He doesn't mince words. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we live with the mind of Christ and serve Christ in what we do, Christ will give us our due reward. He will. He's promised it over and over and over again. We're not trying to be famous and be celebrities. We're trying to make Jesus famous. Amen? And so we need to work to preserve harmony in the church. We do not need to be huge-headed. We need to be lowly in our estimation of who we are. And again, that's not to have, you know, we're not talking about self-esteem here. That's, that's man-made. We're not talking about that. We're talking about having a godly view of ourselves. Don't think too much of ourselves. Amen? Do not think of ourselves more than we ought to, but we need to think rightly about who we are. And, and that goes with this ideal in verse 16, associate with the lowly. Don't think too much, but, but associate with the lowly. So back to the Jeff Moore story, the Rich Mullen story, all that whole little rabbit trail. Do we, look, we actually got back to the point. Do we find ourselves even in church seeking only to talk to the prominent people in the church, be it me as the preaching elder, right? Or the Sunday school person or the guest speaker or whoever it might be. Do we, are we ever guilty of trying to seek the favor and the attention of some of those people? Does that, does that make sense? If, if, we're, if we're honest, there's probably been times when we've been guilty of that to some level. We need to guard against that. We need to be humble and not seek to associate only with those who can do something for us or build up our level of um, popularity or whatever it might be. We need to be very careful and make sure that we're being fair in how we relate to everyone. Amen? There's all kinds of examples we can probably think of. Maybe we'll talk about a few of those here in just a moment, but... This means that we should associate and fellowship with those whose social standing, those who financial standing, all of those kind of areas have not attained to that of our own yet. So that'll help us not to be snobbish, but readily associating with other humble people. Again, Luke 14, 11, 
He goes on in verses 13 and 14, though, to add to that very difficult statement, not exalting ourselves, but being hum- humble. He says, verse 13, but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Don't just do for those who can do back for you. That's the point. Does that make sense? We need to be fair in how we relate to all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us. Amen? It brings us to the last thing. Be honest with yourself. So preserve the unity, preserve the harmony, he says. Be of the same mind. Um, And then he goes on to say, uh, don't think more of yourself, but associate with the lowly. So don't be huge-headed. And then finally, be honest with yourself. That's the last part of verse 16. He says, do not be wise in your own estimation. And I know oftentimes, if we would record ourselves with the conversations that we have, we would probably come to the, um, to the realization that we think a whole lot more of ourselves than we let on. You ever, you ever really stop to think of, of how we communicate with other people? Someone tells a story and we one-up them with our story. Oh, you, you think that scar's bad? Look at this one. For instance, I mean, that's just minor stuff maybe, but I think we're all guilty of that on various levels, right? Uh, yeah, that sermon was great, but you should have heard this sermon. Like, you know, we, we have greater insight and our, our fanboy, you know, ministers are better than your fanboy ministers. I think we need to be very careful about how we relate. And so, again, we need to be honest with ourselves, not thinking of ourselves um, more than, than is true. We need to be wise in our own estimation. And again, we're not saying to, you know, hit yourself with a, a whip every day and demean yourself. You don't look in the mirror and say, you know, you're a horrible person, you're a loser. I'm not saying any of those things. Um, but we need to realize that it's about Christ. Amen. And when we put it into that perspective, our greatest accomplishments are for Christ. Amen. Our lowest accomplishments for Christ. It's all for Christ. And we're just an instrument in his hand. And so we want to be a good instrument, amen? So we want to stay fine-tuned to his use, and we want to have good usability in how we live. And so that means very practically checking ourselves every day. Now, true or false, it's easier to check your neighbor than it is to check yourself. True or false? Man, that's so true. It's so easy to call out your sins. I mean, you know, Jessica, you just did. No, I'm just like, St. Jessica didn't do anything wrong. But it's so easy for us to look at the, the, uh, the speck, in, or excuse me, the log in everyone else's eye, right? That's what we think. And we don't realize that, oh, I mean, forest, right, in, in ours. I, I kind of upped that analogy, I know, that parable, but that story, uh, that teaching. But, but it's true. We need to be honest with who we are. You, you, know who, you know who we are, Christians? We are sinners who have been saved by grace. Amen? That's it. That means we fall still. Is that a license of sin? No. What's Romans chapter 6 say? By no means, right? May it never be. May it never be. But the reality is we mess up. Our brothers and sisters, we mess up, right? So what's our response? Gracious, humility, what? We repent when we sin against them, but our response to them is forgiveness, gracious forgiveness. We gotta do that. And, 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 and as, as we're honest with ourselves. That I think that will help us to realize that, you know what, my brother or my sister did this against me, um, but Christ died for my sin, fill in the blank. I think that helps keep it in perspective. Does that make sense? That's not an excuse for us to sin against each other. But I think when we realize what Christ did for us, Zach, I was a horrible person. Yeah, don't agree. No, no. It's true. It's true. It's true. And Christ forgave me of all of my sins and trespasses. And what's even better, Craig, is that he not only forgave me for everything I did, he forgives me for everything I'm going to do. He's already forgiven me. And in time, I'll receive that forgiveness that way too, right? But he's already nailed it to the cross. So if Christ has already nailed it to the cross, what should be our holding place for the sins of others? Anyone? Is there a different place? Than that? Is there a place that we, when people sin against us, where should we hold on to those sins? If Christ nailed them to the cross, we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't. They've been nailed to the cross. And so, and I know if you're like me, it's hard to forget some things. 
And some things are harder to forget than others. Why are you giggling? It's so true, right? We had no idea this was going to be so practically in our face tonight. But this is just a simple set of commands. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in your own mind. Haughtiness, that's a big fancy word for pride, pride, pridefulness. But associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. And so we need to be honest. Paul, who knew the Old Testament very well, when he writes this, he's quoting Solomon from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Don't be, or, or he's quoting Solomon from Proverbs. Uh, don't be wise in your own estimation. But he goes on to say in, um, no, that is verse 7, isn't it? Because 5 and 6 say, trust in the Lord. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then it goes on in that next verse, not to be haughty in your own eyes. And so Paul is just quoting scripture. Um, are we storing up Scripture in our hearts so that Scripture changes our hearts? We need to be, amen? We need to be. Um, our brother Sean Glassy, uh, this weekend, or this week, these last few days, uh, and I have his permission to say this. Um, well, you know what? Let me, let me stop. I want to do this when the recording's off. I'm going to come back to that, okay? I just remembered that we're, re- we're recording. And I did not ask for permission to do that. But I want to share a story with you here in just a moment about Scripture and memorizing and reading and storing up. It ties into this ideal about Sean here. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. He is God, the Lord. We trust in the Lord. So when someone sins against me, my feelings get hurt. It's true. Yours do too, right? We all, every, every one of us, amen? Happens too often for us. But I need to recognize honestly who I am in Christ. Does that make sense? There's no room for revenge, right? And I want, I want to give it sometimes. I know some of us all want that, right? But that's not my place. Revenge is the Lord's, right? Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. It's not, my, it's, not, it's not mine to dish out. So I need to be honest with myself about who I am and what God's done for me. I am a sinner saved by grace. Have mercy on me, the sinner, right? Have mercy on me, the sinner. That's not just a get and save prayer. That's an everyday prayer. God, have mercy on me. I have failed you miserably. I failed my brother, my sister. I failed my church. God, restore me. Give, create in me a clean heart, oh God, right? What's David cry out? Said Psalm 51, create me a clean heart, O God, renew a steadfast, a right spirit within me. That's our, that should be our daily prayer, at least however often you sin, right? However often, excuse me, we sin. So that should be our prayer. God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. And the only way that we can be honest with ourselves uh, um, about our self-estimation and our worth and our abilities and all those things is, is then to, to submit everything to the careful scrutiny of God. Trust his heart and mine instead of our own. Um, if I was honest with you tonight, and I will be, as I have been already, but I'm not always honest about my condition. I'm not. Sometimes I'm blindsided by the fact that I've just sinned in some manner and I ignored it and I didn't recognize it. And it took a, a wife or a brother or sister in Christ to bring that to my attention. Anybody else guilty of that? Thank God for that wife or brother or sister or husband, whoever it might be. Amen? We've, we've got to have hearts that are moldable and fixable by God. And we have, to, we have to recognize that we're not perfect yet, but we serve a perfect God. Amen? And we need to look at, with, let His scrutiny speak to us. And again, my heart and my mind, the heart of man's wicked beyond all things. Who can understand it? Well, God's given us a new heart. Yeah, but that old, oh, there's still some leftover residue in there. Call it what you want to, but there's still sin that we battle as Christians. Anyone who says otherwise is a liar because they're not believing the Word of God in 1 John chapter 1, chapter 2. Amen? We need to recognize that about ourselves. It's easy to recognize it about others, but we need to recognize it about us. Amen? So, the church will function much more smoothly when all the place, rather when we all place our plans on the altar of God and seek only his understanding. Again, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. So someone brings something to our attention. It looks like you are doing this, so-and-so. Let's pick on Brent. Hey, Brent, it looks like you have done this. 
We bring it to our brother. Abraham has an opportunity now to sin horribly, right? Or to repent beautifully in that moment. Amen? And that's for all of us. And so it gets presented. And that moment of, of opportunity, that moment of change, right? Acceptance before God is there. And so we need to then look, okay, I start making an excuse. I, but me. And we all do that. I've done it. I've done it more times than, I, than I'm proud of, right? It, one time is too many. But in this moment, Brent says, I, and he stops and he says, okay, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to lean on his understanding, not my own understanding. Maybe there's something to this. And so Brent considers that and takes responsibility in this example. That, okay, buddy? Okay. So that's what we all need to do in every situation that we find ourselves in. That's for all of us. I, 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 I can't. I can't. It's just so overwhelming to me how practical this is for our body. And even today, how practical this is. And this was been planned for six, seven months. The, th- the, the flow of this. It's been planned. Now, here's the result. Let's talk about the result. What time is it? 7.26. All right, we've got 30 more minutes. All right, let's look. Just kidding. Just a few minutes here. Ready? The result. What happens? Turn to, turn to Romans chapter 15. When, when we do these things, when we are of the same mind toward one another, when we're not haughty in our own mind, but we associate with the lowly, when we're not wise in our own estimation, what happens? Well, as he makes his way through some very practical teachings, if you turn to um, um, Romans chapter 15, look at verses 5 and 6. He begins to make um, a conclusion to, to the book of Romans, to this letter to those Christians in Rome. Now, chapter 16, he begins some personal messages, some greetings to people, very personal effect. But, but really, he's making the conclusion, he's wrapping it up right here. And notice what he says in verse 5 and verse 6. He says, now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the only car company mentioned in the Bible? It's a Honda because everyone was in one accord. Uh, That's a horrible preacher joke, I know. But being in one accord... That's so stupid. I know. I'm sorry. Being in, yeah, you are like, wow, that was awful. It was. But we're going we're gonna to think how awful that was. And I hope that you'll remember that we're to be in one accord. And note a couple key things about these verses. So, so Paul writes, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. What God is that? That's our God. Amen. He gives encouragement and perseverance. He says, may he grant you to be of the same mind. Now, now let's think. Is Paul asking God to do anything that he's not already said is the right way for us to be? He's not. Is Paul asking him to do something that's outside the bounds of what God's already declared he wants to be true for us? No. Paul's asking for Scripture to be done for us. His prayer is Scripture. That's a pretty cool thing. He's praying that God will do what he's already asked to be true of us. Does that make sense? So I'm supposed to be humble. I'm supposed to be thinking rightly of myself with lowliness and associating with lowly people. So pray that God will do that. That's what Paul's praying here. And then I, 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 I love how verse five ends. And now may the God who gives, I'm sorry, verse six, he says, so that, here's the reason, so that with one accord, so that's the unity ideal again. We're all in the same Honda together. With one accord, we may, I'm sorry, I kept digging that. Uh, I'll stop. So that with one accord, we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving glory to the one true God. Isn't our life supposed to be a reflection of that? What is the chief end of man? The Westminster Confession says to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If we're not glorifying God, we're not enjoying God. That's true. And vice versa, really. I mean, that's just profound. But we do that when we obey, when we live out. So the result is that when we do this, we will be glorifying God with one heart, one mind, with one voice. So when we sing, and y'all have been singing so loud on Sunday mornings, it's just amazing how loud. It's just been great to listen to all the voices rising up in unity. And uh, if, you th- if you're thinking, man, I, I love hearing it, but I, I can't sing. Open your mouth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It'll only hurt the people next to you. And that's okay, right? That's okay. Sing, make a joyful noise to the Lord. That feels so good. It does, it does. Craig got so excited uh, Sunday, he said, uh, uh, that's Isaiah Shannon right there, right? Uh, but don't give Isaiah glory. The glory belongs to Jesus. That's not what you meant, I know. But 
it just it just sounds so good. It just it makes us it lifts us up. It gives us joy to worship in that way together through the reading of the word, the, the hearing of the word and, and singing. But to but to hear the, the voices in unity. Oh, it's so great. So great. And so the, the result that Paul was looking for with the church in Rome is the same result that Jesus prayed would be true of the apostles in John 17 and true of all those who come after them. Guess who that includes? Us. Right? Make them one. Make them one. That's what he wants for us. And so he says that that's possible. God says that that's what he wants. And so guess that means that it should be true of us. Now, let's do a checkup. I don't know if these are in your handout or not, but here's a few things. Been trying to do this. I think PJ went over a lot of those questions for the checkup last time uh, that you guys had, but not quite as many as then. But here you go. Are these questions in there? In your handout? I can't remember. No? All right. So number one, how are we doing in this endeavor? How are we doing in the endeavor to, to be um, Romans 15 um, kind of, I'm sorry, Rome, yeah, Romans, 5, ah, Romans 12, 16 kind of people? Are we of the same mind with one another, toward one another? How are we doing in not, a, not being haughty in mind, but associating with the lowly? How are we doing in being wise in our own estimation? Hopefully we're not doing good in that one, right? How are we doing? If you had to give us a grade, would we pass? Would we just kind of average to see? Would we be above average? We'll be rocking it. I want to rock it. How about you? I want us to rock it as a church. So do we have room to grow in these endeavors? What's that? Always. Amen, sister. Always. All of us. Me too. All of us. So how can we work to keep the unity in the church today? Today. How can we work? Yes. So how can we do that? We can be harmonious. You're so good. You make a great politician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing like answering the question. I mean, they, giving the answer with the question. As, whatever, you know what I mean. Never mind. I can't even say it. How do, you, how, do you, how do you say that? It don't matter. But you're right. You are right. <laughs> What's that? Craig Boyd in the house. But how can we practically do that? What's some practical things? Real, realistically. Huh? Taking responsibility, owning my part of any situation that we find ourselves in. That's true. What else? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, koinonia, fellowship, be together, and, 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 and enjoy it. You know, you can't, you can't just decide to enjoy it. Au contraire, mon frere. I think you can. If we're to enjoy the fellowship of the saints, mm, I think there's some responsibility in there, right? I think there's some... Hold each other accountable. That's right. All of us. And we're all accountable. None of us are beyond that. I'm accountable. As likely and as horrendously. We still may fall. Yeah. And, and the more we're around people in the body, the more open and accessible the real intimate part of us is. And that's good. And I, and I, I think, I mean, let me just say this. I... I think like, say, the, the Freedom at Last group in particular. Let's just pick on that, that group for a minute. In, in a good way. Um, there's a commitment every Thursday on, on a small scale to be together. But it's no different than a Sunday morning Sunday school class, which we have a few of now for our adults. You'll build a relationship in that small community in a way that you won't get sitting right here like this. Does that make sense? And there's some accountability in there. And then we can even go beyond that. What would you think about... Your part in maybe being a, I don't know, being a sheepdog. I just, I'm just thinking off the cuff now. How would you feel about being a, maybe this could be better. Tyler, somebody put your head around this. But um, what do you think about being a sheepdog for, say, three or five other people? And not like, you know, watching their every, every step. But I mean, watching out for them. That's what a sheepdog does. A sheepdog watches out for the sheep. They don't just watch for the sheep to, to mess up. That's funner, I know. <laughs> like, can you know what Tyler did? That's not the point. But how many of you would think, you know what? I could text and call and check on three people or five people every week. Would anybody be willing to do that? Becky, would you get me a sheet of paper? Do you mind? And if you're willing to do that, 
or just get a piece of paper. If you're willing to do that, raise your hand. I want to equip you to do that as soon as I'm physically possible able to do that. We'll, we'll make that happen like in the next day or so. So hold on. You can put them down. Becky walked out. Let's just pause. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rest my head. My head's so big, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Uh, I'm hurting today. It's okay. I, I think I ate too much last night. My sister cooked a really good meal last night, and it was great. It was baked fish. It was good. Thank you, sister. I don't think it was that. I just, it just kind of comes and goes. All right, so raise your hand. If you are wanting to help, be responsible for three to five other people. Is three or five a better number? Three. Okay, yeah, three. All right. Jesus had the inner circle. There was only three. So let's do that. I'm not going to try to do any more than Jesus did. So raise your hand. All right, keep them up. And if you get tired, do what the little kindergartners do and hold your hand like this. Right? Hold your hand. There you go. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Thanks, Jess. That's it. So keep them up. And while you're keeping your hands in the air like you just don't care, let me ask you another question. Actually, you do care. That's what you're showing. You do care. How can we work to keep harmony in the church maybe this week? I know we talked about, eh, I guess they really go along together. But just think before Sunday, what's something that I can do? And I want us each to think that. Each of us saying, what can I do before Sunday to build the harmony and the unity in this body? So be thinking about that. Amen? And then in what areas does our church need to make a greater effort? in demonstrating unity. That's a hard one. Do you think people fall through the cracks still here? Let me just tell you, they do. And who's, whose fault is that? It's our fault. It's all of our fault. So who should take responsibility for that? All of us. All of us. Now, now let, me, let me make this a little more difficult. Have you got, there, have you got these people over here, Becky? Everybody, all right. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. Um... If, if um, someone's falling through the crack and we're all responsible, sometimes that can be interpreted as if we're all ins- responsible, then no one really is. Does that make sense? Because I'm expecting the pastor to do it. You're expecting the elders to do it. You're expecting the Sunday school teacher to do it. You're expecting the Freedom That Last group to do it. Bam. That's exactly right. I should not be expecting anybody else to do something that the Lord puts on my heart that's problematic. Or needing to be done. Does that make sense? All of us should do it. Didn't mean to. All of us should do it. Didn't mean to hit it so hard right there. Right? But all of us. That means we're all responsible. So we each one responsible. Now, practical ideas. How about this? Now I'm a medal. You ready? You're like, you've already been meddling. But we're really going to meddle. Here you go. Number one. Try listening to those in the church that differ from you theologically on non-salvific issues. I say it like that, things that don't relate to how we're saved. That's important. And if people differ on that, we need to, we need to stand ground and, and let them know what's what about that in a loving manner, okay? Still loving. But if people have a different ideal, I mean, even the millennial kingdom is, is plainly taught in Scripture as the fact that Jesus came the first time. Um, but there are some people who don't believe in a literal millennial kingdom. Uh, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Okay, that's crazy to me, but that's still brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And so how about I, instead of trying to defend the millennial reign, every single time someone disagrees, how about I just listen to their point of view? No agenda. That's my brother or sister in Christ. Luke's smiling because that's really hard to do. I know. That's so hard to do. I'm preaching to myself here. That's hard to do. But how about it? How, how, How far would that go into being a unifying piece of the puzzle? I think that'd go pretty far. Because what happens when we then start to share our view, we seem, even though we may not mean to all the time in, in every particular matter, but it comes across that we're trying to correct them. And you know, there should be some leeway and some grace in some of these areas. There just should. People should have the right to be wrong if they want to be. That's a joke. That's a joke. Okay. But the point's there. Amen? Amen? So... That's right. What, what if I am wrong? Right. Now, that doesn't mean we can't get together and talk about it. I mean, that's fun. It can be, but that's not fun for everybody. Everybody doesn't like that. Sometimes it scares people away. And I think we have scared some people away from our church even because we've so passionately um, defended our positions on certain things throughout the, the, the history of our church. Please, please speak up a little bit. I, I, 
Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm extra as it is. Somebody write that down. That's good. I'm going to use that. I'm already extra. That's good. Sorry. That's good. That's a good point. Good. That's good. That's good. You're extra excitable today. <laughs> so, so um, let me here. Brent, can I pick on you one more time? All right. So y'all know when Brent, I mean, he like comes at you. He's so serious minded, right? And he'll get them hands pointed sometimes. And he, I mean, he doesn't use his hands like Corey does. Obviously, y'all know that. Corey put your eye out. You know, you had to get stitches after you're done talking to her. I'm just picking. But but Brent, I mean, he's passionate. And some people, it's kind of like I think. What we say? It's like the coach comes out in him, right? And they're like, "That's coach. That's 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 coach Norwood coming out." And it and it puts people off and on guard sometimes. But when you know him, you know that's not what he's doing, right? That's his mannerism. But behind that excitement is a heart of love and compassion, and and a desire for you to get it through your skull that that ain't good, whatever it might be. Is that fair? Is that okay? Does that make sense? I mean, it, huh? He's scary sometimes. Yeah, he's scary. Uh, 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 but I, he, he was a little passionate about something early. He and I were talking, and I just, I just laughed and just put my arm around him. Just, it just, that's why I did that earlier. It's just so funny. Confession. Anyway, anyway. Um, we need to bring this home here. So, so how about we try loving others in the church that we don't normally love on during the week? So maybe think this Sunday. Who do I normally not sit by or talk to? How about I sit by them this week and scare them to death, you know? Just pour on the kindness. We've done that one time that I know of for sure. And I think uh, some of you have kind of moved throughout the years here too, but it would be awesome. So why don't, why don't we do that Sunday? Everybody, no, it's not going to start a fight. There's nobody here that's so married to their pew that uh, you'll be asked to leave. I've seen that happen, huh? Yeah, well, the security folks have some certain spots that they need to stay in, but the rest of us could, could move and shake it up a bit. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. That's a good idea. So think about that for Sunday. And then, and then here, here's the last thing. We need to remember that um, I need to remember that my sin is ever bit as problematic as your sin. Okay? And, and we all need to get to the place where we recognize. I'm, looking, I'm trying to make contact with all of us here. Every one of us need to get to the place where we recognize that... Um, or, or not where we recognize, but where we realize that our biggest sin issue is not with the other person in the church, but it's with ourselves. Does that make sense? That needs to be my thought. That needs to be our thought. Now, um, we're going to sign off for the church because I want to share something that's of a private nature. Sign off from the live stream. So thank you for tuning in. We clear? So um, this week, Sean Glasser. Y'all know Sean? Amen? No, Sean, love Sean. Sean um, confessed he's been off meth for 12 years. We all know that's awesome. He was on some heavy-duty stuff, uh, into some bad things. Um, but here for the last few months, Sean's been drinking again. And it's progressed, and it's gotten to a place where he realized he was, he was out of control, and he wanted help. And so he came forward yesterday with uh, um, s- several folks, Pete and Brock and, and Brent and myself, and maybe some others too, uh, those I know of. Uh, and he asked for some accountability and some help. And, um, uh, and so today he wanted to meet and he came and uh, we sat down with him and, and uh, he was ready to get like in-house treatment help. He wanted to go, he was, he's been drinking so much and this is by his own and he gave permission for us to say this. He's been drinking so much that he's, his body's um, detoxing, withdrawals. He's having withdrawals and it's affecting him. He talked to his boss and his boss proudly uh, supported him lovingly, is a better word, supported him and told him he would do everything he could to help him, take his time. And so he has some time before his next job starts. And so he is on his way to an in-house detox facility uh, in Houston right now. And so he said that you could know, and here's why he wants you to know, because he wants you to be praying for him. Uh, and, and he needs you to hold him accountable when he gets back. He needs us to one another him uh, 2.0 version. Okay, we need to step it up, folks. We've got to do better at loving one, all of our church family, 
And this is a good opportunity for us to begin to practice. And so, um, so be praying. Uh, in fact, um, uh, he can receive communication. We can't talk to him, but we can get correspondence to him. So uh, help me remember, let's get, we're going to get the address sent out to church folks. We'll have it available Sunday, and I'll try to make it available on the social media uh, in our private account if you're on there. If not, just ask me. I'll send it to you. Uh, we'll get you the place where you can write to him something encouraging. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a, uh, a man who, who wants to honor God, and that was his heart, and that's why he came forward, and uh, he's, he's, he's doing everything right in his restitution here right now. Amen? And uh, just... Mm. So proud, so proud of, of, of the step that he's taken. It's just awesome. No, I mean, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm not, like, I'm proud. I don't mean it that way, but you know what I mean. I, I'm just so in awe of good on him. Yeah, I'm so in awe of what God's doing. And folks, that's what God wants to do through all of us. They're all, it may not be a, a, a downright addiction to, to alcohol or something, but we all battle with sin. Uh, and, and pride is the root of almost all of those, if not all of those. And we need to be humble before God and one another. Amen. So let's pray. I know I went over here tonight. I, 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 uh, I recognize that. Um, but uh, these things needed to be dealt with. And so let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word. I thank you just for the timeliness of this word for each of us, Lord God. And, and Father, I pray that it's been convicting. Yes, I pray that we will deal with, with our own heart, our own sinfulness. Um, re- re- repent and, and let it go. Uh, Lord God, and, uh, and I pray that if we've wronged one another, that we will make restitution. I pray that where we come up short and someone points it out, that we will humble ourselves and be open to the possibility that we could be wrong. <laughs> I say that with, with, with a sarcastic tint bent because, God, that's just so us. By our default response usually is that we're right. So, Lord, please, please humble us, Lord God. Fashion this church in humility so that we may be a city on a hill, a light, Lord God, that shines in the darkness, so that we can be witnesses for your awesome saving graces, Lord God. Now, I pray that you bless Sean this week. God, as he just undergoes the part of the due penalty of his wrongdoing. But Lord, thank you for bringing him to a lowly place a place of repentance, a place of desire for you and for, for holiness, Lord God. I pray you continue to instill in him a desire that he would desire after you as a deer longs for streams of water. I pray that for all of us, Lord God. And we ask this in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies, um, um, yeah, be checking on Miranda. She's going to need some help with all the kiddos this week. So um, uh, reach out to her if you can. If, you, if you're free and you can help. Uh, I'm not a lady. Huh? Go sit with her. Yeah, yeah. Visit with her. Uh, help her with the kiddos, whatever. Just reach out to her. If you don't have her number um, and you need it before then, uh, Corey, you ladies could text Corey. Is that okay? Or, or Becky. We've, you know, we've got it. But if you ladies want to do that, that'd be super... Um, so, um, that's all I have to say about that. Now, uh, otherwise, uh, meeting for, for Bible school. So sorry I kept us late, you guys, but...